evening, Professor. How are we? I am fine. How are you, boss? I'm going to bring this up here so I can just keep up with my notes on this thing. Yeah, so our topic's about my boss is a hypochondriac and confides in me constantly. What should I do? Uh, first thing, I'm feeling sick, I think. Uh, what, what, what have you got on your head? Why are you sick? <laughs> this is awesome. Well, I, I know, but it means that you better win or I may be in trouble. <laughs> I'm worried about my physical health. <laughs> this is our Baltimore team, um, and they are in the playoffs. They are in the playoffs. This Sunday. Okay, I don't keep up with all this uh, yeah. football. So where are they when you say the playoffs? Is this the final final? Yes, it will. Well, not the final final. This will determine... Well, this will determine, yes, who is going to be to the last the Super Bowl. So, the yeah, two this, teams, the last yeah, two the teams will be playing. Yep, yep, yep. There's two good. games. All right. So, and we have Taylor Swift probably coming to Baltimore. Oh, my. Because she's a Chiefs. Uh, something tells me you probably haven't washed the hat in a while. Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got it. Oh, did you? Okay, good. <laughs> so, it doesn't need to be washed yet. We're doing fine. Oh, man. Let's see if I can get my notes straightened up here in some wise or some way. Yes, we're going to be talking about a hypochondriac boss. Um, I believe Master Katie is presenting tonight. Uh, let's see here. I'm approaching it from the standpoint that uh, you don't really worry about your work. When you go into work, what you worry about is your boss. Because your boss is such a hypochondriac, um, every little sniffle that you may have, don't cough, by the way, in front of them, uh, they're afraid that they've got the disease. Uh, they've got ailments that are bothering you. And it gets to the point you really can't get your work done because some days when you go in the office, the boss thinks you need to take them to the, the doctor. So you're playing doctor, pharmacist, psychiatrist, everything. But then there's those special days you need to take her down to the ER or her or him, whatever, down to the ER. And so how do you handle all this? And of course, uh, we'll discuss that tonight. Uh, there's different approaches to take. But I don't know. The, the bottom line to this, as far as our story is going to be not tonight, we're going to deal with, deal with uh, King Saul. And what it does take is uh, reassurance. They want attention. There's no question. But it takes reassurance also. And the reason I chose King Saul uh, for tonight, that he was a person that needed a lot of reassurance. And so he wasn't a hypochondriac in one way, but on the other, he was a very insecure person. Now, I know we talked about King Saul on a few occasions and how he came into power. So, again, I've got 15 to 20 minutes here, folks, so i got to get a roll in here. So <laughs> You're going to remind us. Of I'm going to remind you, yeah, so I'll good. remind me. Yeah, yeah, those <laughs> I think the boss is going to start turning around and putting like, like uh, one thumb and then the first finger, and then when we get to five fingers, I better be done. But anyway, I'll keep <laughs> no, watching her hands. Uh, anyway, Saul was the first king. Uh, Samuel was the last judge of Israel. And Israel wanted a king. The Israelites wanted a king. And uh, Samuel was very upset at them. He's like, why do you need a king? You've had us as judges. God is your king. He's like, no, we need a physical person because we need someone to lead us in battle because that's what everybody else has. Oh, you're kidding me. No, they all had dictatorships everywhere. And so they wanted to have this person, this king, to be a dictator over them. Well, that's interesting. 
Samuel was very upset. He prayed to God and he went back and he told the people, you know, I can't believe this, but God says, if that's what you want, you can have it. And God spoke to Samuel and said, Samuel, it's not because they've turned against you. It's, it's nothing about you. He said, it's about me. They've turned against me, not you. So give them their king, let them have what they want. So they chose a young lad, God did, whose name was, of course, Saul. Saul was a farmer. Uh, he kept the land and, of course, kept uh, the animals. And one day he was journeying, and doing so, he met Samuel. And when he met Samuel, uh, Samuel told him he was going to be king. Huh? <laughs> now, this was the day after he had eat, eaten with him that particular day, and the next day he says, you're going to be king. Huh? Anyway, Samuel was so insecure, uh, not sure, whatever you want to call it, not proud of it. I don't know what to say, but he didn't tell his own family. Samuel had told him this. However, he went where Samuel told him to go into a particular city, and they were going to meet there, and that's where he was going to, quote, be announced to the Israelites as being their king. So that's step one, his insecurity. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Because once he got to that particular town, it was Gilead that he went to, they couldn't find him. He was there. It was like he was with Samuel. And Samuel was turning around like, well, where did this boy go? You know, he's 30 years old, by the way. And they said, oh, he's back here with some equipment. He's hiding among bags of equipment back there. So, you know, Samuel kind of pulled him out and said, okay, here's going to be your king. There's one thing good about it. though. Samuel really didn't have any sins that we can tell at that point. 30 years old. He was taller than most. Now, Samuel or I'm sorry, Saul. Saul. Okay. My apologies. Okay. Saul. King right. Saul. Keep me straight. Okay. Taller than most. Very handsome. In our day and time, I would say King Saul had it all. Do you like that little rhyme? Yeah. Okay, I thought you might like it. King Saul had it all. Looks, you know, height, handsome, cute. Wow. But he had one problem, that insecurity. And the insecurity was, number one, is that he wanted to be a people pleaser. And this is where the problems of King Saul come into play. So first, we're going to talk about the bad parts of King Saul. And so it's kind of like the hypochondriac boss, you know, the, the needy things. Then I'm going to flip around at the end, though, and talk about a couple of good things about King Saul. And then we're going to talk about, real quickly, what makes a good leader? Hmm. So at this point, we're having an intermission, right? No. I'll keep going. <laughs> Let's start and talk about King Saul as far as where he came from and what was going on. Well, the first insecurity he had is he was a farmer. And so when Samuel asked him, you know, or told him you're going to be king, God selected you. He's like, man, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, that's good. Yeah, but my family, we're the smallest part within that small tribe. You know, we don't have that large of a family. So he really didn't have a lot of prestige behind him. And Samuel said, you know, God doesn't care about that. Let's keep moving forward. He reigned uh, for about 42 years uh, over Israel, so that was pretty good. No question about that. Um, his insecurity, though, came among a couple of things. I talked about hiding the equipment. Another problem that he had was that he made excuses. Uh, for example, one time they were he was told by God, uh, Sam, King Saul was, to go and to slay a particular nation. Amakites, and he said, when, do so, when he does so, he needs to kill them all. Let a single soul be living, 
Don't let any sheep, cattle be living. Well, guess what? He didn't kill the king, and he turned around and kept all the good parts of the flock, the best of the sheep and cattle. So Samuel asked him, why didn't you disobey God? Saul says, I didn't disobey God. I did what I was said. I, I killed everything. It was the people's fault, though, because they wanted to keep the best of the sheep and the cattle so they could turn around and sacrifice that to God. Hmm. Samuel let him know, don't you think that God wants you to be ruler of the people? That means more to him than, you know, and do what he says than all these wonderful sacrifices you think the people are going to do. People's fault. Hmm. Then we got Samuel, King Saul coming in that he tells, man, I did it because I feared the people. I, I want to make the people happy. Huh. And Samuel told him, you're not making God happy. And eventually, some of these actions that were occurring, it finally was too much. And so when Samuel told Saul, you're no longer going to be king, Samuel said, well, okay, uh, I repent, but can you at least honor me now? You mean Saul? Uh, the That's king. okay, I just want to make, go, you're right, I just Saul. make it clear. I'm going to call him <laughs> just the king and Samuel. How about that? There you go. The king says, well, but... I've sinned, but please honor me in front of the elders and the people. Like, man, you don't get it. You know, you sin to the point you're going to lose your kingdom, but you're still worried about what the people were thinking about you. Yeah. It's very sad. Another time he was anxious. Um, he had a war that was coming before him, and the king did. Like that, not Saul, <laughs> just the king. And Samuel told him to wait on him wait on Samuel to come, because he had to bless, so to speak, uh, do the burnt sacrifice to bless the Israelites before they went into battle. Well, seven days came, Samuel didn't show up. King was getting worried, because the people were getting worried, the Israelites were, and they were starting to kind of vacate the place, and he's watching, you know, his men are leaving, like, man, we got this big war coming at us. This can't be. Well, seven days came, Samuel didn't show up. The king turned around and did the sacrifice himself. And right when he finished, lo and behold, guess who showed up? Samuel. Samuel asked him, why did you do this? You know that only I, or a priest, can do the sacrifice, unless God particularly says that you have the right to do so. Well, you didn't come after seven days. The people were leaving. It's their fault. You know, I had to do this. More of our excuses coming in line. The last was when God had taken his spirit away from the king. There was a big mass of Philistines that were about to come and attack Israel. Okay. Hmm. Saul didn't have the connectivity with God anymore. Saul turned around and went to one of these like a seance, whatever you want to call it, that did the witchcraft, and asked the person, because Samuel was dead, and the king asked that individual, bring back Samuel so I can ask him about this war. Now, you and I both know, you know, that deals with Satanism, if we want to call it that. Uh, it's wrong to have a seance, whatever you want to call it, to bring people back from the dead to speak to them. So we don't know if it was actually Samuel that he spoke with that 
It may have been someone of Satan, the devil, don't really know, but it was allowed to occur. God allowed it to occur. And what we do know is that the individual told him that Israelites are going to fail. They're going to be beaten. You're going to die and your sons are going to die with you. Now let's flip over to the latter part. I haven't seen you raising fingers yet, so I'm doing pretty good. The thumb's still there. <laughs> the good parts of Saul. Saul turned around and he improved upon, according to the Talbot, on what Samuel had done as far as the schooling system. Um, they had a pretty good schooling system, and, and he even went further with it. So that's a good trait that the man had. He did care about the people. You got to say, yeah, he did. Then the second part to that is that it also makes mention in those earlier writings, again, not my reading them, but what people are telling me in the literature, is that he even paid the men, so to speak, out of his own treasure. He didn't turn around and take it out of the, the Israelites' treasure. So he was very gift-giving to the people. Now, you could say that he was you know, seeking their, uh, their, their good words or whatever for him. Um, and even if you think about it, when he was told that, you know, you're going to die in war, he also, at that point, turned around and had death come upon him. In fact, he at the end, when he saw he had been wounded, he wanted his uh, sword bearer to kill him, and the gentleman wouldn't. So Saul turned around and put the sword, his own sword, through himself so he committed suicide. But there's, you can say, well, that was great of him to, to say, I'm still going into war, knowing that I'm going to die. But the other sad part of that is, is that really bravery when you know also, though, because of what you've been told, that all the Israelites are going to die too? I should say all, but the majority of them, will, they're going to be beaten. And that's kind of an iffy one. Another thing happened to Saul, though, and I'm going to jump back just a second, that was really sad. And this deals with being a great leader. He got so emotional or so involved, or he got something that was on his mind he couldn't get rid of. And that was when David, little David, killed Goliath. Remember the story, David versus Goliath. Mm -hmm. Go out there with the slingshot, la, 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 and he killed him, knocked him down. Well, the, the women were singing psalms that, you know, Saul may have killed, you know, his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands, la, la, la. Because theoretically, by killing Goliath, none of the Israelites had to die then. Because, therefore, Israel won that war. Saul couldn't get it out of himself. He knew and found out, of course, that David was going to be king. He spent all of his time, the latter years, chasing David over the hills, wherever the valleys, la, 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 trying to kill David. He even killed, uh, wiped out a town that had aided David in giving David food for he and his uh, soldiers. And the town didn't know that, you know, it was against king's wishes or commands to, do, to not do that. So he wiped out the whole town. So he, he spent his time chasing David. Unbelievable. And you know what? When David heard that Saul died, he still mourned for him. That's hard to believe. Now, why was David's heart different than King Saul's heart? And it may come down, and this is where I'm going to end us, and, and I think the words are, are just really cool. And so I'm just going to kind of read to you very quickly. <laughs> uh, let's see here. And it came, again, from the writings, uh, so to speak, that I cannot interpret it. And it's called the Talmud, T-A-L-M-U-D, Talmud. And it answers the question, you know, why was Saul not bit 
not fit to be king? And the answer is, hmm, quite surprising. Never appoint a leader who does not have a skeleton in their closet. Never appoint a leader who doesn't have a skeleton in their closet. And the answer is why. Because if you don't know your own frailties, don't worry. Others will remind you. Mm. (laughs) It makes you human. Right. And you say, well, how did that deal with David then? Well, remember, who was David's great, great, two greats or three greats grandmother? It's Ruth. We talked about Ruth in the Bible. Well, who was Ruth? She wasn't a purebred, right? She was a Moab. She turned around and came over Naomi into the Jewish Bethlehem and married Boaz at that time, who was a Jewish individual. But she wasn't Jew by any means. So David wasn't pure Jew. And you can re- just think about that. If you're not a pure blood, people go always, even if you're our king now, because God said you were, they're going to say, you're not a pure blood. Should we really listen to him? He was always reminded of that. And of course, David had his problems also. He had his insecurities as well. He suffered a lot mentally. But the difference is, and I I think it's good because for me, not that I'm a leader by any means, but I realize when I give my prayers at night and when I first get up in the morning, I let God know, I know how bad I am. I know. And by the way, if I can't remember, sometimes you point it out. You don't mean to. You just do some things that you say. And I realize, yep, I ain't perfect on that one either. And if that's not well enough, your kids will always let you know how imperfect that you are. (laughs) That's all I've got tonight, boss. I'm not a hypochondriac, but I got my own problems to deal with. (laughs) Well, insecurities, yeah. I think we all have that, I would say. Yep, insecurities do happen. There's no question. But you can't let it take you over. No. You can't let it take you over. And the people pleasing. We gotta be careful of that. Definitely when it comes to obeying what God tells us to do. Mm-hmm. That's a really something. And sometimes we're that you know, sometimes congregations may get a little ahead of themselves, so to speak. You know, the, the money in the pot bringing that in may be more important sometimes. They they kind of lose their way. I'll put it that way. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, I'm just saying. Because I can remember, you know, at times it was worrisome. Uh, is there going to be enough money, you know, to pay the electric bill for the congregation? So, you know, small communities that we had back home. But they never let it get in the way. We always found a way. It was yeah. always found. Right, right. That always comes through. Yep. So just hang in there and trust them and be patient for the plan. And again, as we talked about last week, the grateful prayer. You just, you just can't beat it. Yeah. Always be thankful to God. We're always crying to him. Why don't we take a little time and during the day and thank him for everything we do have and the good things that we have. Right. There are many. But I still don't want to take the boss to the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot no, that. They're going to have to get over there and secure it. Okay. Got it. All righty. How'd I do tonight? All right. 21 after. I went right. over a minute. Sorry. <laughs> Did a fine job. Thanks for having us. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for having me again. I still have a job. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a great week and thanks for joining us. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye.